Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. This is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast for the week of July 9th. And it's uh, great to be here with our wonderful, humble host, Jim Gerhardt. How are you doing, Jim? Yeah, well, people have likened us, Bob, to uh, Statler and Waldorf. And, <laughs> yes. uh, I guess we can say Lewis Hockman starring as Fozzie Bear this morning. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of deja vu. Hey, it's a whole lot of deja vu here. The, uh, the motor vehicle uh, situation, the great crunch is going on. And that people have been camping out. They've been actually cooking, barbecuing, yeah. waiting for these enormous lines that don't move. Uh, this was thanks, no doubt, to the foresight of our government, uh, which, of course, we all <laughs> revere and respect, <laughs> who decided they were going to furlough a great number of state workers. And that, that was interesting, too, because they would be furloughed except for 12 weeks. So the state's going to save millions of dollars. But they're going to be able to claim 10 weeks of it is unemployment, which is probably more than they're making now. So the state <laughs> will end up losing money on this furlough. But anyway, so they got caught with their pants down, undermanned at the motor vehicle uh, agencies. So uh, that, that uh, nobody thought of that. I, I guess nobody could predict the fact that people were going to come out like this. I don't understand it because you have till the end of the month for these transactions. Right. My guess is that come closer to the end of the month, they will extend this for another month or so. Right. Uh, your, your inspection or the other yeah. vehicle affairs that, that you conduct. But for some reason, people panicked. And I was listening, uh, looking at Dan Alexander's story this morning. Not only are there huge lines, people staying overnight, but well, what about they're barbecuing and playing a, a game, which I can't mention the name of. It's, 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 Corn, I don't corn, have to with that game. Corn, cornhole. It's a it's a pretty popular game. It's been going on for a bunch of years. It's a basically just like it's a modern day lawn darts without the darts. You got these bean bags. You got these <laughs> uh, these holes. These uh, these boards that are made up uh, with uh, with holes in it. That's where the name cornhole comes from. So no, you're prone to comes from that. I think it comes from something that was quite naughty. <laughs> well, that, that, that's a good story. I'm a great cornholio. That did not mean I throw darts at a board. <laughs> uh, although, I suppose if you were a virtuoso at that particular, you could throw darts at the same time. But this wasn't what the game was about. Jim, they, uh, however, they have, you know, we must move with the times, I guess. There, that's are, pop- no, yes. there are professional cornhole people out there i mean these guys are these are pros i mean they, they've got them on tv they got the cornhole champion so, but uh yeah so that's what people are doing at the dmv new jersey ingenuity people are just making the most of their time they're hanging out overnight i mean a friend of uh patrick's said he was waiting for his driver's license um, test he got his test but he has to go in and get processed and get his picture and his license he's yeah. online right now 
uh, since last night, they had at least 100 people at the Randolph DMV up in uh, uh, NBC, up in Morris County. So it's like people have just got to make the most of it. And we had a picture yesterday on the, on the website of the Hazlitt DMV. My goodness, that was, that's in a mall. It's like a, a strip mall. And the, the line was wrapped around the building almost completely. It had to be three, four hundred people camped out in chairs. And, and they were there for the long haul. It's, uh, it's unfortunate. I guess people have to get there for certain things. You can do a lot of things online. You can do your, regist your registration online, your renewal and things like that. But, I mean, if you need a, a driver's license test or inspection, that's, uh, you know, you got to go there. Well, I think for the provisionals, you have, what, seven days that uh, initial license is good for. Yeah. Then I would imagine that people who have uh, kids or kids who have just gotten their permit, what do I do after the seven days with this going on? Uh, so I think a lot of people are out there trying to renew that and who have no idea what's going down. But I, I, I was struck by the, uh, as Yogi Berra said famously, deja vu all over again. Right. Two instances when it came close to this. I don't know the precise year. Uh, many people remember at least one of these, and that was when they first started the enhanced inspection, thanks to our Senator Granny Lautenberg in Washington, who decided we had to do this. Well, the state of New Jersey, as it turned out, had given out the contract for this inspection, not because the company that got the contract had the competence to handle it, but as the story went at the time, because they had done two very wise things, certainly better than competence. One is they gave $280,000 to the Republican Party in New Jersey. <laughs> the other one, they had promised very high-paying jobs to at least 10 of Governor Whitman's associates uh, who got the jobs, but they couldn't do the job. And so the inspection lines, because the, what, the new dynamometer thing, they didn't work. Uh, the brake testing equipment generally wouldn't work. The people had no idea what they were doing who worked there. They were not educated in it, handling it. Uh, and so the lines were five, six hours or more. Uh, that was one time. And this was a terrible thing. They finally uh, got it worked out because they had to reduce some of the restrictions. They had to drop, for example, inspecting your headlights, yeah. <laughs> your wipers and, and your horns, and, and went purely to emissions. Yeah, and it's, it, that's all it is. It is ridiculous. I mean, you have yeah. to go there for... for you know, you can essentially go in for an inspection right now, have broken windows, a busted windshield, bald tires, and you'll <laughs> sail through as long as your stinking emissions passes. What the hell kind of deal is that? That is the most ludicrous waste of time. And the thing that really ticks me off about this is that the commercial vehicles, those are the ones that are running around like smokestacks with major emission problems. You never see those pulled over. And two or three of those will just completely ruin the air. Everybody else is compliant. These cars are pretty much self-testing. It's just a sham. Why do I even have to go for stinking emissions? I mean, well, it's really you could you could ask that question for a plethora of government programs, and I suppose the answer is like everything else: follow the money. Somebody's right. making money on it. That's that's and what another thing. I, and Jim, with this with this entire debacle with 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 all of these lines, I understand, and I'm not sure exactly how much it is, but the the private inspection is still available to you, but you have to pay your guy 65 bucks. Well, at yeah. this point, I mean, it's probably worth it, but why am I paying 65 bucks to have somebody check my emissions or do something that's gonna take 10 bucks? Why isn't the state making changes on this and uh, paying these local garages 
to do this to at least you know get this crisis over with. People depend on government for a couple of things: to protect your your property and to make it easy enough for you to register and be legal. And and we're not getting anything from government these days. And you're not going to get it until people somehow become involved in it and interested in it. And I will liken that to my pet bug of bear you see on my hat, grip, get rid of incumbent politicians. Mm-hmm. That's largely a movement over property taxes. Right. Talk about something that's ridiculous and unfair. Uh, but until people stop accepting it, then that's it's going to be it's going to be now the other time that that uh, you're you're absolutely right on i certainly won't comment on your remarks because no there's no way they could be improved upon but the second time was also in the 90s and it must have been about the mid 90s somebody got the idea now i don't recall whether the state had officially said this i do believe they did but i can't swear to it that the state the motor vehicle uh I think it was called the DMV at the time. Maybe it had changed to the MVC, which it did during the McGreevy administration. I'm not sure exactly when this was. Around that time, word got out that the state was giving driver's licenses to anybody in the country illegally. You just come down, (coughs) excuse me, get in line, and you get your driver's license. Well, they were swamped. They were swamped. Of course, but I think everybody was surprised at the number of people in the country illegally. We just really hadn't paid that much attention to it. All of a sudden, here are thousands of these stations. They weren't playing this game that whose name I won't mention. Let's say they were playing croquet. Let's let's clean it up a little bit. <laughs> cooking. They may have been cooking. I don't know. But uh, they uh, were down there by the thousands, tied everything up. Now, uh, we had a team on the station, uh, New Jersey 101.5 in the afternoon, John and Ken. Right, the original so yeah. Big things, now they have a syndicated program. But they, they, they did very innovative things, which I think was good for all of us because we would kind of follow. But during the crush, when all these calls were coming in about this big problem at the motor vehicle agencies, uh, John got on the phone and he called us on the air, the immigration service. And who person answered the phone and he says, do you are you people interested in uh, people in the country illegally, illegal aliens? They said, oh, yes, yes. He said, well, I'll tell you where you can find some. And he reeled off a number of inspection stations. <laughs> and of course, they said, well, thank you very much. They, but that, you know, they didn't do anything about it. Somehow uh, the state had changed and decided they weren't going to do that. But uh, again, there were two other cases, you know, taking a little walk down memory lane of, of this happening because of the lack of, of foresight. But I thought it was is interesting that nobody had thought that by furloughing a huge number, a large number of state workers, that they were going to be understaffed and then suddenly open this the floodgates. Uh, now I understand the governor is saying that, uh, well, maybe they should call some of them back. They're talking about what, Bob? I think uh, Dan Alexander had the story this morning. I don't know if he mentioned it, but they're, as of this morning, they were talking about we're cha- having some different hours, extending hours, things. That yeah, where was, Jim, where was this plan two weeks ago before they even opened the, the, the offices again? It's, it was well, close to three, three months. There's, there was no plan. They should have gone to an alternate day thing. Uh, sure. Really, sure. people are showing up at the, you know, unless you're looking at the, you know, the, the specifics on the website, people are showing up at different DMV agencies thinking they're going to get some services where 
Some of these agencies are exclusive to driver's tests or inspection or or renewals or administrative yeah. stuff. It's just it's so cockamamie. It's just ridiculous. And and now, and uh, understanding that the DMV is not talking to the media, they're they're <laughs> hiding behind their their incompetence, and it's just disgusting. We, we I, I want to throw something out here. At one time, back in the 90s, during the crush of this, I did a program every week with Dick Kamen, who was the very competent head of the the DMV at the time. Yeah. And his people would come in, and we sit down, and we did a show every, see, once a week at night. And people would call in with their questions about it. What I found out is that the people at the Motor Vehicle uh, Commission, and right down to the agencies, they are as confused and as bemused and as frustrated as the customers right. they are bound and when this stuff would come up they would say here is the statute we have to follow the statute we have to follow the law the people that i have heard complaining the most bitterly about some of this cockabee mm -hmm. dmv stuff are people who worked for them right <laughs> even in administrative positions but again i we have two agencies near where I live. One is, is in the town, which I don't go to. I've gone occasionally, but it's a madhouse all the time. One's about 10 miles away, which functions beautifully. I don't know the difference. Why? But in the one that functions beautifully, the people are very nice. They're very calm and very efficient. You don't spend a lot of time there. It's very pleasant. The one that's in town with this crush of people, you can tell the stress of the people who are working there. That they're under, not, uh, and this is not only, yeah. Not only the workload, Jim, but the the the, the possibility that yeah, you may contract the virus. I well, mean, nowadays you got that thrown into the woodpile, right? Just, just a howling mob of people uh, who who have uh, you know complaints or can't follow the rules, don't know exactly you know what the problem is, what's going on, have questions and all. But and so they're famous. For you stand on the line, and then they tell you when you get there that it's the wrong line. You have to get another line. You get in the other line, and then just about the time you get up there, your turn comes. A person turns around and walks into the back room. Right. Now, I don't know what's in the back room. I often wondered about that. Uh, like the old song, What's Behind the Green Door? Because motor vehicle agency employees were famous for turning around and disappearing into the, quote, back room right. for a while while you stand there. So... Anyway, they have their problems, too. The whole thing is a mess, but you're quite right. Somebody should have had the foresight to, to think of this. Why well, don't they just, Maybe yeah. they were busy thinking, you know, other earth-shattering, mind-blowing thoughts, which, which Trenton is famous for. <laughs> I'll bet you a lot of people are saying, why didn't they just reassign some government workers who are not doing anything because their jobs have basically been uh, shut down because of the uh, pandemic? Why don't they just reassign and put them into the DMV for a couple of months to at least help with the overflow and the crush? I mean, you would think that would certainly be a no-brainer to get out there. And and you know something, and I, uh, my my uh, my my son's friend, he went for his driver's test last night, and if uh, you know, this is obviously secondhand, but he said that um, he went for his driver's test. His parent was in the car. And apparently the ins the instructor or whatever or the examiner watched them turn the do the uh, do the K turn or the parallel park and then passed them. So it was very very a very very quick thing. So there's you know they're they're not uh, uh, hands on. 
the, the inspector. So it's not the, the true test. I mean, and how are these uh, new drivers being certified? It, it's, a, it's a joke. Do you want a driver that's not been completely certified on the road? Well, we, I'm sure we're going to have dozens of those over the next couple of months. You know, something has just struck me that's very nice. We can sit here and talk about this, and we have been somewhat just a tad critical of government. Just a bit? Oh, and, no, and not us. Current ideologies and things. We may be the last uh, bastion of free speech, talk radio. I don't know how long it can last. We may have just experienced the last 4th of July. I'm sure you have seen what's going on about that. Uh, no other, or no lesser, a great towering intellect and brain and political force than this uh, Colin Kopernick, the quarterback, had declared that the 4th of July is a celebration of white supremacy. Yeah. Why? I have no idea. He doesn't have to do it. He just has to say it. And of course, that'll be the next push. Matter of fact, as I understand it, there have been a couple of United States senators or was senator and a congressman or something for the Midwest who had proposed that they abolish the 4th of July, and they're Republicans. So you might have seen the last 4th of July to be replaced by whatever is popular with the, the loony left, the demo-fascist uh, party. Uh, but the time will come when we're not going to be able to do this. I don't know how we get away with it, tell you the truth, because, uh, you know, a good example... I guess there's still some toleration for public broadcasting. Not much. Uh, they're trying to choke off the, uh, the Fox News people by putting pressure on the advertisers. Uh, I don't know that that's happened with radio. I've not heard any such thing. I certainly hope not. See no reason for it. Maybe they just figure, okay, let them sit there and prattle. They're not very... They're not, they're not getting anywhere with their ideas. You've got to ask yourself, and we've asked ourselves this year... Why are why is why are we allowed to speak? Why is the mob or the group thinkers ruling the roost these days? Why? Why is my opinion less valuable or respected than somebody else's? Why am I if I have a differing opinion, no matter what it is, why am I being browbeat and uh, beat down saying that I'm a horrible person? I'm not a horrible person and neither most people with with differing opinions. Because because there is. There is no resistance to it, and I do not know why. Uh, people are simply accepting the fact that the emperor has no clothes. There's no kid to yell out. Now, if the, if the, if the kid did, in the old story, if the kid did say, oh, the emperor has no clothes, in, in the legend, the, uh, the story, the Grimm, I think it was a Grimm story, uh, when the Grimm's brothers wrote it, they had the kid was acclaimed by the people. Oh, yes, he's right. And people saw through. Now they don't. What they do, they take the kid out and stone him because we have accepted. We have bought it. Political correctness is nothing but making forcing yourself or being forced to believe or act as if you believe somebody else's fantasy. Right. And you may know a part of you knows that this is ridiculous because people have always laughed at political correctness, but they go along with it because they're afraid to not do it. Because of the pressure that can be put on you. You lose a job. I, I, I can't fault people for this. How many people have lost a job over innocent things? Here's one. Remember the, uh, the very bright young lady that you had told me and had sent me a piece that she had done, and I forget her name. Remember? Oh, Candace Owens about a month ago. Yeah. I don't know much about her, except she did a piece. 
that in my view was a little bit over the top, but nevertheless, it was an opinion. It was a very good opinion. There was a soap opera actress, as I understand this, from uh, who, had, who had given that the just the like. That's all. She didn't say it, repeat it, try to sell what this Candace had said. She just did a like. And she's about to get thrown off the show. She's being vilified. And she had said, when she got all of this criticism, she said, well, we all have our own opinions. That's what makes us the land of the free and the home of the brave. Yes. Ah. So the comeback is, yes, everybody has a right to their own opinion, but it has to be the right opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's our opinion. Uh, and they, 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 here's how they damned her. Somebody on uh, you know, one of the media said, well, she's nice, but even nice people have awful views. Said she has no moral compass. She is, and they gave her all the, the phobias, you know, the whole thing, which she had not really gotten into at all, nor did this Candace get into that. But naturally, she's transphobic and every other kind of phobic. Uh, but the worst of all, she supported Chick-fil-A. Oh, wow. that, that was her downfall. God forbid. I wish people could get some notion of what they're giving up. Uh, Netflix had a program that I watched, uh, I think, uh, a couple of nights ago. And uh, it's called Dovlatov. D-O-V, let's see, D-O-V-L-A-T-O-V. D-O-V-L-A-T-O-V, Dovlatov. Sergei Dovlatov was a Russian writer. Oh, I think he passed on, but he's recently. Now, this is a Russian movie, and it's about uh, his early days when he was trying to get published. And it, it ends up really pointing out the, what the, where the restrictions on free speech can go. Now, this movie took place, they made the movie recently, but the setting was in 1972. Well, I was in Russia in 1973. So some of the, the places and the things, but the, the people, the, the dress, the spirit was pretty recognizable from this. But this is what they had done. And I wish people would watch that. Later, it turned out well, because the movie leaves him kind of a crushed man. He was a recognized as a brilliant writer, but he wasn't writing the government approved material. They would send him out from this publication, which was a factory newspaper. That was something interesting, too, to do a story. But he was told, now, you're going to go out and uh, a very cliche. You're going to interview this farmer and say how wonderful it is that the state has given him a tractor. And, and uh, thanks to, uh, at that time, uh, Leonard Brezhnev was the premier. This is after Stalin. But, and he couldn't do it because he was writing really good stuff, and he refused to do that. And he got fired. And this was kind of like the end of the story about this brilliant writer. He turned out later, after he got out of the country, after Glasnost, he turns out to be a Sergei Dolotov, turns out to be one of the great Russian creative brains of the, of the century. But at that time, how it was repressed. But it does show what happens to when free speech. And it's exactly the exactly uh, the same uh, dictum as the fact that you can have an opinion, but it has to be the right opinion. Yes. Everybody has to have the right opinion. So. Uh, and who and who is to determine who has the right opinion? They do. They. Now, who was they? 
Who's they? Yeah. The fascist crats or democratic. Crats. I, love it. I don't know what you call this bunch of numb nuts who are, but they're in in power. Nobody will stand up uh, against it. I, I mean, nobody, nobody whose job is public. And you see this in the entertainment industry. You see politicians biting their tongue, pretending to go along with it. Now you have an election coming up. Now. This is all being played out against the background of a, an election. Now, elections in this country have become popularity contests. Nobody goes to the poll, or very few people, because they sat and deliberated the issues and thought about it critically <laughs> and came up with a choice. It's I'll vote according to my group, my ethnicity, the politics of identity sort of a thing. So this might take us down a very, very dark hole. Did you, vote, using, did you vote, Jim? Did you just vote in the uh, primary here? No, no, I'm not going to vote by mail. Oh, no, no, no I'm, I'm not a member of a party. I can't. I could vote in the primary, but by voting in a primary, you declare yourself. Uh, okay. I, I, vote, I voted, but I'm afraid my uh, vote didn't get in because I think there was a mail truck fire somewhere in North Jersey. <laughs> I don't know if it got to where it was supposed to go. So. Uh, yeah. You know, again, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, and I don't want to beat the dead horse particularly, but I am a Depression and World War II baby. When I was young, I grew up with these great crises, both of them. Now, uh, this puts me in what has been called the greatest generation. I did nothing great, but people around me did. And I have somehow gotten into a bit of a slow of despond over what's going on, uh, because here, sitting helplessly by, and you are watching a country <laughs> surrender, and not because of a superior military force from the outside, but to a spoiled, self-absorbed mob inside, mm. and the country surrendering. Now, I remember distinctly, some of my first memories were of parents and mothers crying and wailing when the olive drab Ford sedan would pull up and a nicely dressed young military officer got out to go inform the parents their son had been killed in action. There were lots of them. Right. And I knew these people. These were the big kids. I was just sort of under the, the, the age bar uh, by the time the war ended. So mine was ended up being the Korean War. But get to World War II. But to see this, it's, it's very disheartening. Because you feel you owe some loyalty to people who actually believed the traditional values, believed in the country. And now they're xenophobes. They deserve what they got. Come on. And, and this is very disheartening. Now, again, the election, I'm not sure uh, how this would affect that. But, uh, you know, American people howl for freedom, but they don't want the responsibility that goes along with it. Right. I, I think Americans are like uh, the old metaphor, a dog chasing a car. The dog right. is, oh, man, he's great. He's all out. He's enthusiastic. He is ebullient. He is full of energy chasing the car. What happens when he catches it? Yeah. No idea. Yeah. No idea. Doesn't know whether the car go blind. Right. And this is, I think, where we are right now. We have caught the car. We have achieved affluence. We have achieved freedom. Now people don't know what to do with it. They want to throw it away. Right. So uh, the writers of the Constitution, if I may make a political statement here, I'm just making some notes. The writers of the Constitution probably assumed 
that people elected to represent the people, because this under the Constitution is a representative democracy, not a complete democracy. We don't all get to vote, but we vote for the people who go and supposed to speak for us. I think the Constitution, the fathers of the country expected them to be honorable men. Maybe they were for a time. But here you fast forward 244 years, it's no longer the case. Political careerism has created a gaggle of self-serving, over-ambitious, greedy, ego-driven mediocrities and demagogues, government for private benefit rather than the public good. And that's not hidden anymore, what they're in for the, the, the augmenting the career. That's the number one thing on the agenda. And to hell, really, with how this affects the public, what's going to get me reelected? And following their lead, the voting public is doing the same thing. Yeah. So uh, it's very discouraging. I had one bright thing happen to me Tuesday, Bob, and I, you'll appreciate this because you know the person I'm about to mention. We have a person that we can both agree we have ultimate respect for both as a professional and as a person, and that is our good friend, Dr. Wong, who, who has kept my glaucoma under control for 20 years, done beautiful things. He also had, you, know, you had LASIK there, and you had some other things. Incredible. And I had my six-month or what annual checkup, and walked in, and the doctor comes in, and he sits, and this is a, a, a very uh, what outstanding man, you know, his intellect and his, his skill. I don't think there you could top his ophthalmological skill anywhere in the country. And first thing he says is, you know, when all this is over and settles down, I think everything's going to be better. And I looked at him like, I, you know, what have you been smoking, you know, down the hall there? <laughs> because I, I, everybody I talk to say it's awful. You know, we, we all play the game of ain't it awful uh, and, and very doom and gloom about the future. But he really believed that, and you run into somebody, you're talking about opinion, somebody who, whom you respect uh, says something like that, it puts kind of the brakes on your downhill, downhill emotional skid. So yeah. I hope he is right. Yes. And if, I, if this sort of snaps me out of my doldrum, I, I will certainly give him full credit for it. But I thought it was very interesting because, really, it is the first person that I have talked to of... Uh, well, our stature, I guess, because of the restriction. This is not trying to fault anybody I might happen to run into. Matter of fact, the most politically uh, educated person I run into is the cleanup guy at the supermarket. Oh, they're, they're the, they're the, they've got the most wisdom. And just says profound things about the political system. But anyway, um, I, I thought it was interesting that here is a very bright, intelligent, competent man who is hopeful about this, how it'll shake out after it's over. I think he's assuming that at some point things will get back to some semblance of normal. Right. But will it? Will it? Two, two, two candidates for the presidency, both of whom are showing signs of cognitive decline. So who knows who's going to actually run the country? The Democratic candidate is going to be in the hands of the fascocrats uh, and probably their, their pawn. And how far can they go? I understand the latest uh, move from this bunch is to open the prisons, let everybody out of prison. You know what they'll do if they do that? They'll turn the prisons into indoctrination centers for those of us who didn't go along with it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, these, these things, and, and again, getting back to Russia in the 70s, 
before the fall of communism. You get a you get a view of that and a taste of this and what can happen, and it scares the be dickens out of you. It is very depressing. But the problem is, I guess that we have a whole generation who's ever had any uh, any uh, what fear of reality. Yeah, they didn't have the depression crisis. Our parents. Now I look back. How did they do it? Wondering where the next meal was coming from. You had World War Two, terrible. Then you had the Korean War, and then we get into the Vietnam. But then. Well, we have recessions and, and all of these problems, but all of a sudden th there was reality. All the, the, the atomic fear of, of the Cold War was, was terrible, stressful situation. So now we get a generation who, for the most part, uh, have had nothing like that to face, no crisis. The biggest fear they have, we feared the economy during the depression, we feared the enemy during World War II, we feared communism and the bomb during the Cold War, we feared you know, on and on. Biggest thing they have feared is the fact that there'll be some kind of a computer glitch and they won't be able to text. <laughs> That's the only thing that'll stress them. Yeah. And they pretty much are, we have allowed them to get in the catbird seat. Yeah. So I quit preaching. Well, yes. we we need, to, ten, brothers we, need to, we need to stay strong, Jim. We need to keep our opinions out there. Just be, you know, you, everyone's got an opinion, and uh, if you don't, if you don't uh, buy what somebody's selling you, you know, get your BS detector out there and call BS, and just be strong. Don't be weak. Your opinion is as important as anybody else's. You're a good person. We're all good people. Don't let anybody, buddy, anybody browbeat you. Hey, it's 11 o'clock, Jim, so you know, that, means, that means at least three more people have been served at the local DMVs. At least three, three more people. Yeah, I think so. What so, time are they opening now? I, somebody uh, said that they'd, they'd done 100 people before 6 o'clock. Is that right? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's a slow. it's slower than the Garden State Parkway on a Friday night heading to the shore. Ah. That's for sure. Oh, I, I shouldn't laugh at it. I mean, th this is ah uh, ah uh, 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 humanity. Where yeah. where are they taking? What are you doing to us? Where are they taking us? Hey, we'll have to uh, play some cornhole. I'll have to teach you how to play cornhole. I don't like that word. I, it it, it hey. evokes an image that is entirely different from the one you're presenting. Hey, try it. You may like it. That's what they used to say in the old days too about the other meaning of it, and I, 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 I didn't do that, and I'm not sure now. I want to get involved with it. So, Bob, all right, thank so, you very much. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, Best of good fortune, everybody. May God bless you all. Thank yeah. you so much. Have a great week. We'll check you next Thursday. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.